WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com. It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the cinemas and on DVD. Get ready for Wait for it. Film Sociology with WFYI's film guru. Kaiser Shizzy! No, that's Matthew Sosie. It's such a fine line between stupid and clever. Yes. Let's find out how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosie. There are rich teams and there are poor teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. This is not Matthew Sosie. This is Richard Propes. I am filling in for Matt Sosie. This is WFYI HD to the Point Film Sociology. I am joined by who am I joined by? An illustrious panel. Yes, I'm Greg Swopik, <laughs> the director of marketing and public relations for Heartland Film. I'm Ed Johnson. I'm the film critic for Newville News Weekly. Wow, the collective power in this room is intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> and a big shout out to Matt Sosie. It's a shame he couldn't be here, and you know. I, but I'm just so I'm so thrilled that he's made the cast of the new Star Wars movie, and you know, <laughs> just the, the idea that they're filming this early is really something. I really never would have pegged him for Yoda, though. <laughs> I think it's Yoda's son, actually. Um. So congratulations, Matt. Enjoy enjoy the view. <laughs> oh, he you think he'd know better than to leave the show with me again? He. Uh. I don't know. I guess he didn't get the hate mail from the last time. So He's never left it with me once, so he knows You know, he's still functioning at an adult level. Let's be honest, you are a little scary, Ed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And we're glad to have Kobe back. Thank back. You're back. You were not with us the last time. I was dismayed. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Ankle bracelet problems. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, Ed. <laughs> no problem with you. <laughs> oh, so it's still working fine. Talk about it, Ed. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. That's all right. WFYI still accepts you. I'm glad they have this work release program. So. <laughs> anyway, we do have we don't have a lot on our agenda this week. We have a couple of new releases. We have a couple one, big ones too. We do have a couple mm-hmm. of big ones. They're both going to be fun to talk about. I think we have some varying opinions on those films, so that should be fun. <laughs> Ed and I have not had a fist fight oh, in quite a while. No, fun. we haven't even discussed uh, at least one of these. We haven't discussed at all. So really? that'll be interesting. That's, that's true because yeah. we did, we usually sit fairly close to one another at screenings and the last one we didn't no so and listeners can't see this but uh kobe specifically sat me between the two um <laughs> tonight so i'm the buffer this is the pacing <laughs> portion of the program so <laughs> we'll see how that goes no all right let's let's get started here with actual movie reviews <laughs> we that, could, that's good well you know we try to do that every once in a while on the show I think we could actually just ramble for the whole hour, and it, w- it would be reasonably entertaining. We'll hit some sports talk, hit some food talk, and then we'll talk about some movies. You know, and, you know. <laughs> That's usually how it pans out in the first five minutes. <laughs> um, but all with right. Matt gone, we'll actually talk about movies today. Oh, what a concept. <laughs> we should be talking about Shakespeare, because he is performing this weekend. Richmond Shakespeare? Shakespeare? Yeah. Richmond Shakespeare. Shakespeare is Star performing Shakespeare? this weekend? Shakespeare is performing this weekend. <laughs> Holy moly. Matthew Shakespeare. I think he's like a distant relative. And what 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 play is he in? Actually, the, well, go ahead, Rich. I I don't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> this is Good worse plug. than that time. This is almost like that time when Gina didn't know about um, uh, it's his production of It's a Wonderful Life, and she got on and she read the flyer on air. 
(laughs) (laughs) No, the uh, Richmond Shakespeare Festival is next weekend that uh, he and Lynn are heading up June 6th through, I believe it's the 13th. Cool. And and, uh, what play is he doing? Uh, much Ado About Nothing and... Oh, that's right. Oh, I want to say Hamlet, but I'm not sure. And um, Visit richmondshakes.com for... Richmond Shakes? Richmond Shakes. That's cute. That like Alabama Shakes? No, that is nothing at all like the Alabama <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I'm on it. I'm looking. Are you on it? You're looking it up? richmondshakespearefestival.org. There you go. Cool. June 6th through the 15th, actually. My apologies. Wow. It was the 13th. June 6th through the 15th. So uh, if you don't have any plans already for next weekend, and that's okay. And you, you really want to go to Richmond. <laughs> so let's face it, it's kind of the bathroom of Indiana. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't worry. They can't pick up this show. I'll they're have not. you know, though, that the White Castles in Richmond have fish nibblers all year <laughs> round. Not just for Lent. Whoa. <laughs> We'll sometimes That's why they're classing it up. That's why. What's more classy than Shakespeare, really? So, Shakespeare and Fish Nibblers. Nonetheless, I think they should worry about getting electricity first, <laughs> and then bring on Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, while while on the subject, you know what? Of, Matt what? does talk about how he goes to Ohio sometimes to watch football games. Exactly. He just doesn't acknowledge that it's because they don't have electricity <laughs> in Richmond. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I actually. At any to, rate, I went to grad school in Richmond, so. I... The Richmond Shakespeare Festival, June 6th through the 15th, producing Much Ado About Nothing and the Tragedy of Romeo and Juliet in the historic Richmond Stargannet Piano Factory. Sponsored by White Castle Fish (laughs) (laughs) Nibblers. And hopefully not starring Haley Steinfeld, who has proven she cannot play Juliet. Let's see. He's just a big bundle (laughs) of hate today, I'll tell you. Oh, my God. This is my other persona, Greg, by the way. You usually see my nice guy side. I like the side. You, I was yeah. say, you get me on the radio, and I become an entirely different person. So um, microphones are dangerous with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start off with a uh, what should be a popular. I'd say I'm going to be interested to see what actually ends up number one this week. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it going to be Disney, or is it going to be a you know simply awful Seth MacFarlane film? It's going to be Disney. I, I put my name Maleficent as well. Because yeah. it's a truly moving picture. That's right. All right. Uh, do we have a trailer for Maleficent? Oh, uh, yes, we do. Let's have a listen. Well, well. I shall bestow a gift on the child. Before the sun sets on her 16th birthday, she will fall into a sleep like death. (gasps) Curious little beastie. Bring her to me. I know you're there. Don't be afraid. I am not afraid. Then come out. Then you'll be afraid. All the other fairies fly. Why don't you? I had wings once. They were strong. But they were stolen from me. There is evil in this world. Hatred. And revenge. didn't guess that was Disney's Maleficent, which, I don't know, I think we have varying opinions here. It is a, it did receive the Truly Moving Picture Award. Yeah, so Heartland Film would give um, an award called the Truly Moving Picture Award to studio-released films that are entertaining films but do more than just entertain. 
So, um, yeah, we, we screened the film, and we ended up giving the award. It was a close vote, but mm-hmm. um, we really liked Angelina Jolie's character, her, her portrayal of Maleficent. Um, we thought it, it was um, a very nice performance and added some depth. I think it actually mm-hmm. was kind of, if you look at Frozen and now Maleficent, Disney is really trying to kind of go back and make these. They're um, really getting into frigid characters. Yeah, pretty much. Frigid <laughs> characters. There you go. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> Sad trombone. Okay, and <laughs> no, but yeah, it was a great. Um, I thought I enjoyed the film. I mean, I used to work at Disney. Mm-hmm. I did a couple internships down there, so it, it was very fun. Um, I didn't know what to make of the trailers initially. Mm-hmm. For me, it was like watching um, Sleeping Beauty in Middle Earth, or like if you're a huge nerd <laughs> and play Magic cards, it was like you're in the world of magic where there's tree creatures fighting people and these weird little fat troll creatures and. Fairies that were pixies and pixies that were fairies and a lot of really kind of confusing things. But the mm-hmm. whole experience, it's a great um, summer popcorn movie. If you go in there expecting Sleeping Beauty, you're going to be disappointed. Right. Because it's not Sleeping Beauty. And they mm-hmm. re- pretty much rewrite the story as well. They really I won't do. spoil anything, but. Yeah, I, I don't want to spoil it, but um, they take one of, I think, Disney's most beloved villains and really kind of give her a backstory and um, kind of explain the character a little more in a way that kind of rings of Disney, but also doesn't ring of Disney. I mean, I, I thought it was an edgier film than we usually get from Disney. Kind so. of along the lines of the uh, darker Snow White and the Huntsman from last year, it kind of feels mm-hmm. like. Only actually entertaining. Oh, okay. <laughs> or reasonably, <laughs> in it, I guess. And with actresses that have more than one facial expression. Kristen Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> Not to name names, <laughs> Kristen Stewart. <laughs> What did you think, Ed? Uh, I thought uh, Angelina Jolie was really good. Um, I thought she was a great presence in the film also. I thought the film around her was squishy and poorly written, um, unclear in too many areas and confusing. And I'm still not sure what Maleficent can do and what she can't and when she can use this power and when she can't. You know, it's um, it seemed to be more, you know, for a plot convenience than anything. Uh, I didn't the the uh, Imelda Stanton and the other uh, uh, little pixie pixies were they pixies? I think they were pixies. Yeah, uh, they, that got them. Not nerd. the rock band. The special effects were were bad. I thought on the, them too. I was really disappointed with the 3D. Of course, I'm usually disappointed with 3D. Yeah, but de- you definitely don't need to see it in 3D. Oh my no I, no! I can't imagine. I usually opt for 2D if I can, yeah. unless or if I do 3D, it's the IMAX. That, that's, that's a fun experience. That's a whole different thing. But for for me, I mean, it was it was a movie I wouldn't see, but Angelina Jolie, both both visually and in her performance, she she it's her movie, you know, it's her movie, and she she pulls it up to a whole nother level. I I, I was impressed that they actually put a first time director, um, Robert Stromberg, working with Angelina Jolie because I I felt like she even dom- kind of dominated him. I mean, I felt like. You you could feel the places where maybe they were catering to the studio wishes a mm-hmm. little more than I think an experienced director would have done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think you were talking a little bit about you know just they're having places where there were all kinds of you know, moments where they were appealing to the teen boys, right. moments where there were you know girl moments, and not to say that things have to be gender. I, I don't want to go that direction, but um, there seemed to be clear effort to widen the demographics of the film. Yeah, it was almost like there was three endings to the film for each kind of different demo. You know, they yeah. had, had the, the cool kind of fight scene. You had the relationship with Aurora. Um, yeah, so there is something for everybody in that regard. So if they were trying to cast a wide net, they did a great job. Um, this film, it was the executive producer. One of them was Don Hahn, who's, mm-hmm. a, who's been at uh, the Heartland Film Festival different times uh, throughout the years. Um and he actually, I mean, what's neat is that he worked with Disney Animation back in the day, shortly after Walt's death. So it is kind of neat having somebody within that area, too, who's kind of has passed the torch and is kind of going into this 21st century Disney formula. So it would be interesting to kind of talk with him and kind of see what their thought process was for everything. Something else with this film, it, it, the, there's certain movies like Brokeback Mountain uh, is one where a, a, a significant percentage of the audience goes in already loving the film. They're so gunned up by the whole idea of it that they're just they just want to sit down and have the experience they expect to have. Mm-hmm. And Maleficent's another one of those films. I was listening to people in the audience; they were crazy about the movie before it started. Yeah, yeah. You know, I kind of felt that way about Grand Budapest Hotel. 
Yeah, that's the- another one. Yeah, that is. They, a lot of people loved it already. They just needed a confirmation. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, that that movie had. I was pumped to see that, and would have had to do a whole lot, or not have done a whole lot, for me to be really yeah. disappointed. Well, Brokeback Mountain was one where I mean, it turned out to really be as good as as people expected. But I, there were a lot of people they already had they made their decisions before they entered the theater, you know, and it was just a matter of just watching it play out, you know, and that's that's fine. But it's nice when the movie actually lives up to it. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. in this case, it it isn't as good as the movie there you know, that they already loved. But it's still there a lot of happy people when that movie was finished. I think so. I mean, I think the audience, I mean, certainly the screening we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised it wasn't a full screening. I don't know if they just didn't market the screening well or um, I, I'm not quite sure why it wasn't packed because I really do expect the audiences to turn out for this Yeah, one. I think it's yeah. going to be the number one movie for the week really yeah. easily. I think that with their marketing, the initial teasers, you know, it was kind of the really atmospheric, kind of creepy Hiding behind briar patches and that kind of stuff, and, and children if you like running Angelina through meadows. You're going to love this film. Yeah. I mean, her performance here is just wonderful, mm-hmm. um, and I really wasn't sure it would be. I thought it could be a caricature. I, I thought, you know, because th- there are moments where she does the pose, but it fits. It yeah. works. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, Charlotte Copley. The, but ever since the stuff happened to him in District Nine, he's just been in a bad mood in every movie. He's <laughs> I'll tell you. And he had promised at the beginning. He thought, okay, this might, mm-hmm. yeah. This character, right? yeah. And I that agree. little wimpy prince. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, I mean, he just. Here, drink this. Maybe it, maybe it's my age, but, I mean, it was just like, you're not a prince. <laughs> <laughs> you're the pool boy. or uh, <laughs> I, you're, The prince's pool boy. Yeah, I mean, he just was, you know, there was nothing there that went, I'm going to save anything, you know, or I'm, I'm going to be noble. Or I, I kept thinking that there was no way. Maleficent, who's wise and strong and everything, would have fallen for little wimpy boy, wimpy guy. No, and cuddled with him, and you know. I wonder if that that teenage angst, you know, the doing something you're not supposed to do, not supposed to talk to the humans. So this guy's a string bean, but I'll run with it. Oh, I'll, I'll try it out. Drove me nuts. <laughs> this and this is a fairly. We should warn folks that this is a fairly strong PG film. I thought. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. We're I, I I mean not that I it, what nothing of you mean you mean bordering on this. Should be maybe considered PG thirteen. I think or it, there are a couple scenes that I thought okay. were fairly intense for a PG rated film. Yeah, but fight it. scenes. You see people get thrashed around, and um, yeah, so it wasn't. I don't think it was that crazy, but there are some more kind of dark or. And fortunately, yeah. you know, the special effects were muddled enough that you really didn't see much. Yeah. But Let, yeah. let's just talk about the elephant in the room: the 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 fairies, or the they they call them the pixies. But in, in the original movie, they had the, the three kind of comedic fairies that help watch mm-hmm. over uh, Princess Aurora. Um, they have these creepy kind of CG faces. Well, I liked a lot of the special effects, but the faces were a little off. Uh-huh. And, and, they, and they didn't have the same kind of personalities. So that if people are going into the film wondering if it's exactly like the animated film. It, it's, it follows the same storyline and Maleficent and stuff uh, in terms of the, the look, but a lot of the stuff is different, including these three kind of annoying, I'll be honest, kind of pixie characters that... Yeah. I agree, yeah. I, I just... Uh... They didn't work for me. I was kind of grateful when they kind of made a transition in the film. Again, I don't want to give anything away, but it made them more realistic to look at. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. And they failed miserably at their job. I mean, the whole thing is to watch over Aurora for 16 years in secrecy. I'm amazed First she day survived. on the job in the cottage. <laughs> Maleficent's checking things out. So it's that's, that was kind of kind of weird. So <laughs> that's I won't go any further, but... The film also stars Elle Fanning, who yes. was uh, in one of my uh, favorite Heartland Films, um, Phoebe in Wonderland. Yeah, and she um, was fine. She I was thought fine. she was great, actually. Yeah. Um, I like her a little more with every film. Um, so, uh, if nothing else for her, I'm kind of hoping this does really well because she seems to keep picking projects that mm-hmm. don't do exactly very well. So. I wonder what Dakota's doing now. I, I think she's going into directing, if I read an article correctly, I think, uh, just yesterday. Really? I saw the headline and didn't read the article itself, but I think she might jump to directing, yeah. That would be cool. We d- we need more women filmmakers. Hopefully, ones that will make decent films, unlike our DVD release for this yeah. week that we'll talk Teaser. about shortly. <laughs> <laughs> so, stay tuned for negativity coming up in just a few minutes. Sorry, I've been nice for too long here. More hate up next. <laughs> no, but overall, I think it was just the redemptive quality and the, the depth of the character Maleficent that really put the truly moving picture war jury over the edge. So, I think that was kind of the saving grace of the film, and I think. Uh, people who were going into it and um, 
maybe go with their kids and are just thinking, hey, I'm taking along. Who? What am I going to see here? Might be a surprise. I think so. I think so. It's, it's a deep film. It's a great character. Um, I, I'm, I'm with Ed in the sense that I thought it was a flawed film and certainly a flawed script. Um, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I didn't regret seeing it. I'm no, like, I didn't I'm either. like the next film we're going to talk about. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> which... Now that was a good movie. We will go to? Yes. Oh, not going not gonna to set not, it up or... It, it, do you want me to set it up? <laughs> yeah. What do you want, Kobe? I, I want to keep you happy, Kobe. Seth MacFarlane made Family Guy. I see, it's I'm, crass I'm, and ugly. He made a lot of clones of Family Guy that were crass and <laughs> ugly. Guys, Young guys loved that stuff and made him a very, very rich man. Then he made a movie called Ted that has some really funny parts and a lot of boring parts. And he made more and more money. Seth wants to be a movie star very bad. And he used his clout and his money to make this movie which sucks, and it doesn't suck because of the gross-out humor. I like gross-out humor. It's crummy gross-out humor. There, is that our setup? Let's take a listen. <laughs> oh, hey, look, it's the ice. Why is it so big? So it doesn't melt. It's actually really interesting how they do it. It's this one company out in Boston that... Oh! Oh! That went south so fast! Oh! The American West is a terrible place in time. Everything out here that's not you wants to kill you. Angry drunk people, hungry animals, outlaws. Oh, the doctor. I couldn't save her. She had a splinter. Doc, what the hell were you supposed to do? I would like to welcome a new member to our community. Welcome to our awesome town. What's with this fair? Every year people die. Really? Everybody hold still. People die at the fair. People die at the fair. Somebody in this zone is going to die. Please don't shoot us on sex night. You beat this guy at a gunfight, you're going to be a real hero. He's the most vicious gunfighter in the territory. I'm going to teach you how to shoot. I got to get a running start. Dude, you really shouldn't drink in horse. Ah! Aim up. Get ready. I'm about to shoot a full load at your can. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I feel like I should have a piece of cake or something. Alright, you ready? Yeah. <sighs> I know you're here, Stark. Na klar, penaza imeko. Ha ha ha, tena ashte. Mila kunis, mila kunis. Tajos, negle. Cha cha, tanjo. Ushte, tasche kuute. Wow, you look amazing. I really love that the most alluring fashion today is to simulate a fat ass. If I was a black guy, this is the meanest trick you could play on me. <laughs> a million ways to die in the West. Maybe the frontier is not so bad after all. Hey, it's a sweet young couple. Can I interest you folks in a miracle cure? <laughs> Holy shit. And there you have it. That's A Million Ways to Die in the Movie Theater. By Ed's favorite actor, oh. writer, oh. Seth MacFarlane. Oh. Actually, um, during that uh, break, um, when we played the trailer, I just updated the Wikipedia page dictating what you said for Seth oh. MacFarlane. So, <laughs> there um, we go. Yeah. <laughs> That's going in the year-end show. I can't tell you how much I wish that were true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, part of the thing with the movie, I mean, there, there are jokes, there are solid jokes in there. Um, and there was a small segment of the audience that was just howling up and really, really laughing. We call them special people. <laughs> there was... <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm trying so hard to get you started, Ed. No. Oh. <laughs> I'm just stunned. Um, the, the bulk of the audience at the screening I attended, they laughed some, but nothing what you would expect. Part of this is there's no real point of view here. You know, you think of Blazing Saddles. You, there, you, Mel Brooks knew exactly what he was making. Yeah. He knew the point of view of the thing. Seth is a wise guy outsider, except he's not an outsider. Why is he there? 
you know, if he's this far outside of it all, why is he there? That needs to be set up for the movie to work. It's never set up. The other people, either they're, they're clueless about all the things he's complaining about in this very hostile environment. Why? You know, and, and I mean, they just, if you're going to do a farce on this level, you need to arrange what you're doing. But Seth MacFarlane isn't smart enough to do that. And so he just, he's toothy and annoying. Yeah, and he tried to do a lot of the uh, Blazing Saddles-esque racially driven jokes. And I, most of them were just very awkward and oh. you held your breath um, during those parts. I mean, yeah, the jokes were just so completely intentional that, I mean, they were almost too intentional to be offensive. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean. <laughs> this, the, the slave joke. I mean, oh. just, you know, it, it slaps you in the face so hard that you just sit there reeling from it instead of laughing. Yeah. You know, uh, and it isn't till they set it right after the closing credits yeah. that the laugh actually comes. Yeah. That's not how you can. St- yeah. <laughs> and that's not, yeah. but that's not how you can start the comedy. Right. You know, um, and there's there's a scene where they pay homage to a night a very very popular movie from the 1980s that involved the old west, and it this the idea of the scene is really good, but the execution of it's terrible. They they come in on a building, they don't have anything else going on for why he's going to this building. They just come in for into this building, they open the door. You see the character from the old movie. He makes a couple of lines. If this was done right, we would have been howling, but it wasn't done right. It's like, look, here's our 80s homage. Ta-da! And they've been playing that in some of the um, trailers recently, too. Yeah. Oh, that's... And, you know, it's like... And and we'll we'll pause and give you time to laugh when there's no pause needed. That's another thing with this movie. Did you notice how much time was spent with silence to allow us room to laugh when we weren't? (laughs) Yeah, I think the most painful scene is really? when oh, um, really Seth MacFarlane's character, he, he, you're not supposed to drink in horse, which is supposed to be funny, and that wasn't funny. So the whole scene starts with an unfunny <laughs> um, shtick and then keeps going. He gets on his horse, goes to his um, now strange girlfriend's place, and he's just going back and forth for probably a solid minute, minute or two. Uh-huh. And it just wasn't funny. And then he, yeah, he just got his horse. It was almost painfully and, unfunny. Yeah. I mean, it really was hard to watch. And it, I, I kept thinking, okay, either you – editor should have been fired because right. they were okay with this or i this is one of those films where you, you're sitting around wondering okay did you not catch this sometime while watching the film you know how did the studio i mean honestly if I, if i were a studio head i'd be looking at this and saying okay either we're not going to release this we'll send it straight to dvd or i mean i think i think it was hey family guy ted this guy makes money let him go mm-hmm you know, he's got his audience. He understands his audience. I think they just let him go. Unless, yeah, and the all-star cast helps a little bit as well. It does. And you have Charlize Theron acting, really acting, right next to Seth MacFarlane, who can't act. act at all. You know, and, and, and just made it more painful watching, you know, him be center of every scene for the whole I was movie. amazed how emotionally involved she got in the film, considering mm-hmm. she had nothing to act with. No. I mean, I mean, I was amazed. She really did. She does do pretty well in this film. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I was interested in watching it because of her. Um, Neil Patrick Harris, is he gives it his all like he always does and in some incredibly gross scenes that don't work. I mean, they get a shock laugh, but they, yeah. you know, Sarah Silverman and Giovanni Rabizzi, Rabizzi? Rubizi, yeah, yeah uh, uh, they they have some funny stuff that stretched too thin. But I don't know, if, you know if you guys realize, but I'm kind of an '80s and '90s kid. I'm 30 years old, so mm-hmm. the best cameo was Mr. Building from Saved by the Bell was in this film. So that alone redeems the entire thing. <laughs> Four stars. Um, now he's, they have this. You're making they, me sad now. They have right? the, no. They have this fair. <laughs> they have this fair, and the sky selling tonic is Mr. Building. Um, granted, I didn't realize. Granted, that was he's Mr. three Belding. times larger than Saved by the Bell. Mr. Building was dead. He's not. That's just an urban, urban legend. Wow. <laughs> just like I, I from Pawn Stars. from Facebook. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. But, I mean, other things, too. There's a lot of the – it's kind of the more subtle humor they didn't try to poke fun at. Like, they're talking about – it's more the, the time-related things where they're talking about the, the era and the period and everything, mm-hmm. which I wonder if my buddy um, – and honestly, I probably wouldn't have seen this film if it wasn't for going with my buddy, who I know we can go see Dumb Dumb, you know, uh-huh. hence the buddy comedy <laughs> name. And we went, and there was – we always talked about, hey, if time travel seems so romantic, but if you go in the back in the past, 
you get a cold, like they talk about in the film, you're going to be screwed where you might, you know, die from something really random or if a doctor's going to take care of you, he's going to pull out his gnarly rusted saw and cut off your leg or something. That's not That's what happened you. to me, you know. Oh, oh. Sorry to bring it up. <laughs> Was that line early in the film of his, everything that's not you is trying to kill you? That's a great line. That is a great line. If they'd followed through right with that, you know, with a clear point of view, they could have had this, and if they'd had a different lead actor. Yeah. I really I really think the biggest mistake in the film was having McFarlane act. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he made that choice. Um, it just boggled my mind. He probably wrote it, too, right? I didn't even check. I, th- uh, I think he did. I, now what, I, you guys are, are bringing up the fact that you thought a lot of the jokes were intentional and it's a stretch and it's a reach and it's, they're, they're running it till it's dead. What did you guys think about Ted? Because I kind of felt that way about Ted where there's, you know, like what you said before we got on air, Ed, I recognize that there were some funny parts in mm-hmm. there, but it wasn't necessarily funny. Yeah, t- it, it feels even more stretched out than Ted does. And Ted felt pretty stretched out. You know, I, I mean, and the, I, but Ted was funnier, I think. Ted was definitely funnier to yeah. me. This felt closer to the uh, the film Year One for me. You remember that really awful uh-huh. movie, prehistoric comedy that just oh, yeah, yeah. did not work. Um, this felt like you know I could never try. I could never figure out if they were trying to make a true spoof on the westerns or because some of the production design it kind of evokes that. Um, Old seventy or you know the, the old serials from westerns, mm-hmm. the, the original score, which really wanted made me want to stab somebody by the end of the film, because <laughs> uh-huh. it was just awful, and I'm so yeah, awful that I I wanted to name the guy who created it Joel McNeely, because <laughs> you, you did a bad score, Joel. I hope you're listening. So they they had uh, some, during some of the transitions, the music it sounded like Star Wars. Did you pick that up? <laughs> I did it, pick it, that. It, yeah. Where it sounded like like Princess Princess Leia's theme, or that little kind of. Soft flute I'm or something. I'm surprised they didn't use the Back to the Future score. Yeah, I yeah, think so. Um, that's not in reference at all to the scene Ed was talking about earlier. No, I was, I was very. We're giving careful. you thinly veiled very, references, very unlike the Red Band trailer, which gives you everything in the film. Yeah. So, but yeah, there are little things that hit me hard, like when he was talking to Neil Patrick Harris, who is this elite guy who owns this mustachery, mm-hmm. and um, he's talking how he stole his girlfriend because. You know, he can never give them um, warm blankets and wrapped candies. That some For some reason, that line hit me really hard. And that was just perfect. I like and the mustache candies. song the, wrapped candy. yeah. the mustache <laughs> song was not written for the film. That's an existing song. So don't give... I know. I, I actually waited for the credits to see who had written yeah, it. He doesn't, it. It really is a Sondheim song. Yeah. He so. yeah don't, don't give McFarlane credit for that song because that kind of <laughs> yeah. works. So. so we say bottom line, if you're a Family Guy fan, if you're a Seth MacFarlane fan... You'll probably like this. It's pretty much the same thing, but with real people and Seth MacFarlane in the lead role. But uh, probably going to be if a, you like a, Seth MacFarlane <laughs> in the lead role, it's time to get your medications adjusted. Yeah, well, and if you like <laughs> Seth MacFarlane's kind of humor, just stay at home and watch Family Guy on TBS. They run it about four hours a night. Yeah, yeah. And, and the whole Back to the Future scene was like a Family Guy insert where they just totally cut to mm-hmm. something random. And yeah, not that I'm giving away anything about what he's talking about. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. If you're smart listeners, you can piece everything together. You can. All right, I do want to briefly mention we have a DVD release this week. It's really light on DVDs. The Mm -hmm. only one is a completely sucky film, and that's being nice. It's Endless Love. No, not the 1981 Franco Zeffirelli film, which also really sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Which, by the way, did win the Truly Moving Picture Award. No, I couldn't tell you. I can tell you so. I'm only kidding. If it did, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't think it did. I was. Yeah. <laughs> no, this stars Alex Pettifer and Gabriella Wilde, basically a new version of the old movie, um, directed by a Shanna Fest. I can't remember what else she directed. Um, you know, I love when we get women filmmakers and we get them in big budget films because I think that's a serious lacking of Hollywood. Unfortunately, it's too often with this kind of drivel. Mm. And um, this is just if you actually did go see this in the theater, if you're one of those 14 people, then, you know, pick up the DVD. Otherwise, you know, Bruce Greenwood is the edgy dad, which is pretty much all he plays anymore. Yeah, so. yeah that's true. <laughs> he, d- he seems to be the edgy dad a lot. So, anyway, I think that's that's about it for DVDs. Can I throw in something? Of course, you can. A Blu-ray release coming out not till the end of July, but it was just announced this week. Uh, Twin Peaks on Blu-ray Ooh. with the uh, the prequel film Fire Walk with Me, 
No big excitement there, except when Fire Walk With Me was filmed, he had almost the entire cast of Twin Peaks. He filmed them for the movie, then he cut out nearly three hours worth of material and most of the characters, and all of that will be on the Blu-ray. So if you're a Twin Peaks fan, and I am, we're going to finally get to see the stuff that we were hoping to see and didn't get to. I think um, the Criterion... Um, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou and Wes Anderson's film came out, I think, on Blu-ray, too. Oh, cool. Okay. And if you're a Costco member, they have all of his Criterion <laughs> Blu-rays for only nineteen ninety nine. Let's not be <laughs> plugging the big boxes. Hey, no. when you can get a Criterion for under <laughs> 20 bucks, that's pretty great. They carry Criterion? It's one, uh, little, one teeny little of shelf amongst Huge their... Huge crates. <laughs> I think they only... They crates of Criterion. <laughs> crates of Criterion. Yeah, I, I was shocked to see them, and so, yeah. That's cool. Okay. Well, see, now you probably want to join Costco because I'm a Criterion nut. And and you only have to buy one. You don't have to buy 20 of them, which is nice for <laughs> Blu-rays. That is They're nice. like Lay's potato chips. You can't have just one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We are going to take a break, and then we'll come back, and we'll talk to Greg Sorvig with the Heartland Film. And uh, this is WFYI HD to the point, film sociology. Just like uh, your opinion, man. Opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. This is Richard Propes, and I'm back with Ed Johnson out of Nouveau News Weekly and Greg Sorvig, who is the director of PR and marketing, or marketing and PR. Either way. Either Same way. Same thing. You, Put a, whatever <laughs> order you like, Richard. <laughs> with Heartland Film. If you don't know what Heartland Film is, where have you been? <laughs> no, I, uh, <laughs> I forgot one thing I have to mention about A Million Ways to Die in the West. And and as an amputee, I feel obligated to mention the fact that it does take place in Old Stump. Yes, <laughs> I saw your Facebook post. That was very good. So that so, was intentional. I think. I think. I, th- I think so. Yeah. I I kept waiting to see a stump. I. Uh, there really should be a rim shot sound effect on oh, standby. <laughs> see. It, yeah. I'll work on that for next time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think we've got about as many amputee references as I don't, we see, can that's have. That's the thing. Yeah. Every time you're on here, you have some fresh like foot joke or amputee joke. 
all the time. I'm trying to get my foot in the door, dude. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, man. All right. No, let's start. <laughs> what a heel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. No, let's talk about, okay, let's talk about Har- Harlan Phil. Let's get back to business and I toe will, the line. I will actually, uh, yeah, I don't want to have Greg on the show and then f- forget to talk about Heartland. so. Uh, it's been, hey, if I left right now, I'd be happy. So would you? Good. All yeah. right. See well, ya. That would be kind of awkward right since the show's not over yet, <laughs> but, you know, hey. No, uh, okay, let's start off by talking about the, re- what, do you call it a rebranding? Yeah, I would call it a rebranding, so... Um, we're formerly known as Heartland Truly Moving Pictures. Before that, it was just Heartland Film Festival. We're a nonprofit arts organization. We've been here in Indianapolis for 23 years now, which is hard to believe. But um, so since you were seven. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Where was I? When I'm I was kind seven? of traumatized I was by probably your age, in Iowa, if you can't yeah. guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's been around since uh, 1991. Uh, our mission is to inspire filmmakers and audiences through the transformative power of film. So that has not changed. Really, just our name mm-hmm. and our logo. So. Um, we're best known for doing the Heartland Film Festival, but we do year-round programming stuff all throughout the years throughout central Indiana. We give an award studio release film that we talked about before mm-hmm. called the Truly Moving Picture Award. So, um, But we, we branded, I think, back in 2007 to Heartland Truly Moving Pictures. We had a new logo with a heart-shaped sun over land, which was very deliberate. Um, and just the name is a mouthful, Heartland Truly Moving Pictures. I mean, just, just getting it out. So we thought we'd cut five syllables off and just be called <laughs> Heartland Film now. Um, and to be honest, that's what a lot of people call this anyway. So like mm-hmm. here's Heartland Film, and it's perfect in terms of our programming. We do many different things, so it's a great umbrella name. It's it's mm-hmm. very quick, snappy, but also it encapsulates everything we do. So new name, um, same great film stuff. Exactly. So I mean, it, the models there too. Tribeca Film Festival, their parent organizations, Tribeca Film, Milwaukee Film for Milwaukee Film Festival. So um, it's a natural uh, natural um, mm-hmm. progression too. So basically, what we did, so we did that. But after 23 years, we just wanted to stay fresh and relevant. Um, and so I think people, it's one of those things, um, which actually today is the second to last day in the Nouveau Best of Indie voting. Mm-hmm. Right, Ed? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and, yeah, and I think we, we're- You're bringing a sigh of relief, Ed. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to vote for you. Only two more days of voting for <laughs> yes, you, and yes. I can finally stay off the computer. Yes. And I like voting for you. I'm just tired of doing it every day. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have your loyal fans. Yeah. So, we both have skin in the race here, Richard and Hartlin, with- with voting, so vote yes. now on Nouveau. I did. Perfect. You're, I up, voted for, as well. you're up for local, best local film festival. Yes, which we've never lost, so hopefully we don't really? lose. Really? You've never lost? And I don't believe so. Wow. I think we, I think we have the crowns. So hopefully we'll keep the crown. And then um, also there's a new category, or one I hadn't seen before, something that has been going on in Indianapolis but you haven't attended. And you had to be nominated this oh, year, which yes, was the first I saw time. That. So I thought we're on. So that, hey, that's great. That's perfect. That's it shows us exactly why we needed to rebrand. So mm-hmm. what is it now? It's, it's something that's been like a, a Indianapolis staple that you haven't gone that to. That you have not gone to. Yeah, something like why haven't you gone to this? I did not you, vote for you for that since I do go every yeah, year. So I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks for knowing who we are. I think I voted for Gen Con. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Which I've never been to. Also in the best of Nuvo, uh, Matt Sosi is up again for favorite radio personality, and for the last two years, he has come in third. So vote him in third place again. All those jerks at WZPL will stuff the ballot box again. Give him the silver this year. <laughs> and our, our friends at uh, the Film Yap, we do want to mention them, even though the independent critic is better. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh! I know they're listening, so... Hey, Joe. Hey, Chris. Uh, yeah, you guys are awesome. I'll give a shout-out to Austin as well. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. No, so. no, but with us too. I mean, so we changed the name. Um, we have a new logo. I mean, just just personally, I think our our demographics has expanded so mm-hmm. greatly just in the last few years. For the last three years, we've been down in Fountain Square in the old Murphy Building, which historically it was a movie theater from 1928 to 1951, the Granada Theater. Mm-hmm. So there's a really neat history behind that. So you walk through our doors, and you walk in the actual doors. People would come in um, to buy tickets back in the day. So that's really kind of a neat thing, too, but we're located right off the cultural trail, so we're open every first Friday. You can come in. We have a screen room in the Heartland Basile Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, you can come in, catch some free short films, grab a Sun King beer for only 4 bucks. But that's great. I mean, we just – you have free things and free things that are entertaining that people come around. It's just a great area. We used to be located above the old spaghetti factory on South Meridian. I don't think anybody would be stopping up on the second floor um, (laughs) (laughs) on top of the old spaghetti factory. So we love location, but people come in. I mean, I think we had an older demographic in the past. I think people thought maybe the misconception was that it was more family-friendly films, which we still kind of get. We still have. Yeah, we still have that, but we have the whole kind of um, range of films now. We were talking about that. I mean, some of my favorite Heartland films are the edgier films. Let me throw this in because we were talking about this before the show. Uh, there was suspicion among a number of people in the early days of Heartland 
that it was a conservative Christian group that was not saying that out loud, but really pushing a conservative Christian agenda. And in the pursuit of doing that, would take films that really didn't deserve to be in any film festival anywhere, just to, but they were, they had the right theme. How, I'm, I'm not, you know, saying whether that's right or wrong, but how do you, the people that are still skeptical of Heartland, what do you say to them? I would say, actually, we've had people um, ask us that question point blank, and the answer is just no. I think the early foundations, um, some of the key funding were from people that w- kind of wanted values-based stuff. Because if you look at a lot of our old materials, it is um, the Heartland values. But now I think it's more of the, the curation of films. Where I think we're right now we're more of a curator than just something that has values. Mm-hmm. I think because really, really we want to show entertaining films that do much more than just entertain. Um, back in the day, I was—I mean, I wasn't here for that, but I, I could argue with that. I could say, hey, that maybe that's how it was. Mm-hmm. But I say probably since 2011, we became an Oscar-qualifying festival. Yeah, this only, was long before that. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. So I think since then, um, I can only hear stories of the past, and I might, yeah, based on some of the old films, um, <laughs> I might agree with you. I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, since I've been here for two years, we've really, we've been really trying to catch up um, with that and try to kind of dispel those misconceptions and everything too so now i think it really is, it's all about inspiring filmmakers and audiences like i said through the transformative power film mm-hmm. the transformative power being the technical aspects um and the inspiration being something that can really kick you in the pants go out and change the world something that makes you look at something in a different light but really it's more of what do you infer i think that's been a huge shift not just what you see on the outside of a film or just the basic but what you can infer from it on a personal level um and with that too i mean if if you haven't gone to the festival you, you might still think that misconception is true. If you've been in the last few years, um, our grand prize winner last year was a film um, that just got picked up by Tribeca, actually, Tribeca uh, film called Hide Your Smiling Faces. It was probably the most polarizing film we've ever had at the Heartland Film Festival. Um, it's kind of like if Terrence Malick did Stand By Me, this very mm-hmm. atmospheric, existential mm-hmm. film about um, these boys up in the Northeast who um, deal with um, the loss of um, another boy who's who's passed away, who's died in the community. Mm-hmm. And it's just like that they go out kind of in the forest and they do their own thing and how they deal with it. And when you're a child, there is no final closure. It's just kind of getting to the next step, and the film kind of captures mm-hmm. that beautifully. And um, some people adored it and some people hated it. And to be honest, we're not a film festival that's out there just to give you easy-to-digest things you're going to smile at and leave and be happy. How has your audience changed over the years? Yeah, since Found Square, I think we um, our demographic was – Primarily middle-aged Caucasian women now Fountain Square, and we love them. Yeah, definitely. We do. Definitely. We love them. Yeah, I mean, now that I'm in my forties, I love them even more. Yeah. <laughs> oh. so, so basically, we we love. That's the thing. We honestly, I don't think I love their husbands. A core group. <laughs> there's not a core group. I think you can kind of pinpoint to now with with um, summer. We're doing summer rewind and all these other things. But every first Friday mm. in um, Fountain Square, we open up the doors and show short films. So we have. If you've ever been to Fountain Square. Um, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, definitely check it out on a first Friday. Very eclectic mix of people. Yeah, are those the free screenings? Yeah, free screenings. Every first Friday, um, the Heartland Basile Theater, we do every 15 minutes. You can catch a free short film or two. Um, totally free. See some other stuff. But there's artist galleries. There's a lot of other great stuff going on. Um, very neat. So, you, you know, so I think we've moved from specifically older demo to the, to the tatted up 20, 30-year-old folks. We have families that come in, younger families, too. I think it's just kind of cool. I think people may not realize, hey, we have this film community here in Indiana. And I think we've made big strides, especially in the last few years, to do that. And so basically if you're a tatted-up middle-aged Caucasian woman, you're going to be thrilled right now. Oh, you're going to love it even more. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And our new logo is so awesome. It's a film reel with some tall grass in it. You probably want to get that tattoo. On Absolutely. your body somewhere. Absolutely. We'll I, give I you a free ticket. Why not? That. Get that Actually, tattoo. I've already got both nipples covered with this. Yeah. Oh, great. He's <laughs> referring to stickers right now, not tattoos. <laughs> right? Or, or or do you have tattoos? You never know. Ooh. Richard's <laughs> walking around with Heartland pasties. My <laughs> goodness. Perfect. I love Heartland. No, but I mean, last year, too, um, just changing as an organization. I came in two years ago. We totally got rid of um, third-party marketing companies who told us who they thought we were, who fits with that old misconception, I mm-hmm. think. So now that we're telling our own story, we do have this ar- this artistic side in terms of even submitting the films. Our call for entries ends today. But we actually wow. promised that human well, beings will yeah. actually watch your movie at least three times through. Where We've been to film festival summits. If it's a dude who doesn't like your movie after five minutes, you might not have, not have mm-hmm. a shot. So we have a jury process. Um, 
Yeah, so we take artistic integrity very seriously, and I, hopefully that shows through the programming and now. I, with, yeah. Oh, about two, three years ago, Chris Lloyd and I were asked to talk to uh, one of the Heartland juries, and mm-hmm. it was basically how to how to gauge a film. Yeah. You know, and they it, it was really nice because there was a whole a big room full of people that were intent on doing the very best job they could and were listening real hard. You know, to to find out you know how how to properly assess a, mm-hmm. a film, it, it was it was impressive. And, and it's hard. Uh, and Chris and I were yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> yeah, critiquing a film is hard is hard business, and I think that's that's hard because you you want to appease folks. Where Indianapolis, I think, we're considered the twenty seventh, twenty eighth film market, even though I think we're the twelfth largest city. Mm-hmm. So th- there is a, a gap to be um, to be filled there, where there are people that are used to whatever's at the Cineplex. We have the Keystone Art Cinema, which is kind of an art cinema. Um, they have that has. I mean, they're playing Maleficent. They're playing, uh, yeah. you know, great indies and stuff too. So it's kind of this hybrid. So you, there is this balance, and I think Heartland does that perfectly of showing films that um, could be inspiring, could be easy to digest to a certain audience that kind of have the same um, kind of intrigue that could inspire in one way or another, and then having these kind of more off the wall what you would expect from like a true art house cinema mm-hmm. um, right here in Indianapolis. So I think that's where the demo's grown. And last year we had a record-breaking year. We had record-breaking number of submissions, over 24,000 attendees, which broke our 2010 record. Wow. So I think between telling our story the right way and having some amazing films, I think um, word of mouth is spreading. Why has there never been a Heartland horror film? You know what? We had our first zombie short last year. Did we? Yeah. Oh, I think it just I didn't know that. I was on the shorts. Yeah, I think it, it just hit, I think, some of the film sites a couple um, weeks ago. Oh. This, this cool zombie short. Um but to be honest, because that's, that's the thing. I mean, how many inspiring horror movies have you seen, I guess? and I, I, I'm very inspired by the Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre series. And, yes, know, inspired to <laughs> get a chainsaw and exactly. do things. Yeah. I always go to Ace Hardware. That's not the inspiration we're looking it. for, Harley. World War Z taught me to that I, it, it's important for a father to be willing to go all around the world and kill <laughs> thousands and thousands of zombies to protect their family back in Detroit. That You did learn something there. That's I what did. you got yeah. out of that? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> My son was happy. I got a better Father's Day card than usual. I do want to give some time to a couple of events that you yeah. have coming up. Um, first, I think the first one coming up is Bedford. Yeah, so basically, I'll just kind of, um, in case you haven't heard, our founder and president, um, Jeff Sparks, he retired after taking a sabbatical last year. So our uh, previous COO, Stuart Lowry, who has been with um, Indy Parks and the um, Children's Museum, a lot of the great mm-hmm. nonprofits, he has an acting background as well. He took over and became president around the new year, and he's really kind of taken us to the next level with pushing through the uh, the rebrand and a lot of new programming. So we kicked off the Heartland Film Roadshow back in 2011 with just 11 screenings, kind of taking these films out to the community. Um, in 2012, we had over 15 screenings, and last year we had over 60. We have a staff of only nine people, so it can the wear and tear. <laughs> it's You can get really uh, worked out. It's You're awful friendly for someone who stays busy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I work a lot, but I love it. You know, I took a pay cut to work for Heartland. I wouldn't have it uh, any other way. Cool. But but basically, we have this new model where, you know, people want to have experiences. I think gone are the days. You know, we, we still do them, and they're not as well attended to something bigger. Um, mm-hmm. I just had, like, a one-shot screening somewhere. But now that we have film series like the IMA, the JCC, something that people mm-hmm. can expect. Love the one up at uh, Center for the Performing Arts. Yeah, so we do another series with the, with the Palladium and the Michael Feinstein Great American Songbook Initiative. So we, we're trying to diversify, do a lot of different things. That's specifically with the Truly Moving Picture Award winning musicals. But what we want to do, we wanted these experiences. Indie Film Fest has done a great job for the city with having, like, Fight Club at the Catacombs. Mm-hmm. We, we showed Hoosiers um, at the huge scoreboard at Banker's Life Fieldhouse. So it's these things that, that would people, have been fun. Yeah, it, it, that was a great <laughs> fundraiser for us. And people, I mean, it's – granted, the sound system isn't really made for films in Banker's Life Fieldhouse. You can imagine the echo. Yeah. But it just made those uh, squeaky basketball shoes even squeakier, which mm-hmm. kind of made it pretty cool. But we want to do these kind of mini-fest experiences where um, – it helps, too, with sponsorship. We are a nonprofit, so we've had some sponsors and grants that have been very um, excited about doing this model, where we want to give you a mini um, film festival experience mm-hmm. throughout the year. So we're actually kicking off two next month. So the festival is not until October uh, 16th through the 25th. But we're actually we're partnering. We're going to Bedford. People are like, why are you going to Bedford? Um, really neat story is that we, when you're a filmmaker at Heartland, we continue to support you and your film mm-hmm. even long after the festival. And we have this great filmmaker named Andy Redwine, who is from yep. Bedford. 
I believe her film was in the 2011 festival mm-hmm. called Paradise Recovered, this narrative. Great film. And so it was her first film that really launched her career. She got distribution for the film. It's on Netflix now. Um, so it, it won the Indiana Film Journalists Association Hoosier Award. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's so that's a, su- a success story right there. Mm-hmm. And she's in Bedford, and I think they had a big – I can't remember what it's called, but basically they had this huge grant opportunity – um, around the state kind of to put this video together and show us, hey, we want to revitalize your city. And she kind of spearheaded that for Bedford, and they won this huge grant. Mm-hmm. So it's really neat, too. But um, basically what we're doing is that we are showing um, six films over two days down in Bedford at the uh, Bedford North Lawrence Performing Arts Center. Tickets are only $6 a pop, so definitely very affordable. And but basically, it's, it's only four if you're a Heartland member. Yeah, that's right. And it's Become, not too late to join. Yeah, go to heartlandfilm.org, all new <laughs> website. Become a member, not, and it's tax deductible, but you get to support Heartland and you get some great perks. And while you're down there, go to Blue Spring Caverns. It's really cool. <laughs> well, underground, uh, underground river, a cave, and a big cavern. It's very nice. Cool, cool. So the unique thing um, about this Bedford experience that the thing about you go to a movie, and for me, people are texting and talking. It's like I'm just going to watch this on VOD. I'm going to wait for it for half the time. The thing about the film festival experience is that you get to see these films with people who want to be there, that want to see these films you mm-hmm. can't see anywhere else, maybe ever. Maybe they'll get dist- distribution down the road. And you get to meet the filmmakers who make the film and find out why they did it. And it's just this really inspiring experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're doing, we're showing these films. We're going to have Medora, which was, I guess, the big winner at Indie Film Fest. Mm-hmm. We had at our festival um, about the small town Medora here in Indiana. Most... Um, Inspiring sports movies are about basketball teams who are trying to make that last winning shot. These guys are trying to win a game, just <laughs> one game, and they're from yeah. the Medora High School. So we're doing that. Director Andrew Cohn will be here for that as well. And if you buy a ticket to Medora, you get a free ticket to another screening, which is great. Um, Ryan Suffern will be here. He's the director and producer of two short films called Right to Play and Running Blind. Um, the unique thing about him, people think about independent filmmakers as guys who just make a film in the garage. This guy has great industry experience. He was the on-set assistant to Spielberg for three of his films. Um, he's from Illinois, and he worked with Sam Mendes on Road to Perdition. And he dropped out of college, and he went out to L.A., and he made a career for himself. So a lot of people you meet at Heartland are people who, yeah, they might be in industry, but they are, really want to do something artistic and something mm-hmm. outside the box. And then beyond that, we have a great documentary called Finding Hollywood. Um, about the film industry in Rwanda and how they're kind of healing from the genocide, making films there. So director um, Leo Wachowski will be here and post-supervisor Todd Soliday as well. And I think 10 o'clock, and this is June 13th and 14th, by the way, down in Bedford. Um, the filmmakers will be there. It'll be a lot of fun. I think there's going to be a filmmaker panel at 10 a.m. on Saturday as well. And then after that, um, our big marquee event is the Heartland Film Festival Summer Rewind, a Fountain Square mini fest. So June 26th through 28th. Um, we, we have 17 film screenings over three days. Like I said before, we're an Oscar-qualifying film festival, so it's going to open up on Thursday night, the 26th, with um, our Oscar-nominated and winning short films, followed by an after-party at the Hi-Fi. Do 317 Lounge has rebranded as well to the Hi-Fi, and they're just two doors down, so mm-hmm. we're going to have a party there. That's going to be a $40 ticket or 34 bucks if you're a member. Every other screening is $7. But we have some great filmmakers who are coming back as well um, for this a lot of great films, including some filmmakers who won big last year but just couldn't make the festival. So mm-hmm. Hydra Smiling Faces, the grand prize winner from last year. That one, Daniel Patrick Carbone, the director, will be here. Um, another great film, This Is Where We Live, um, just had its one of its premieres down in Texas this week. Mark Menchaca, um, spoiler alert, ladies, he looks like a young, hot um, Chuck Norris, uh, which they actually make a joke in the film about. So if you want to, you know. <laughs> So definitely come check it out. We're going to show all these different films. You get to meet the filmmakers who made them in Fountain Square. Our office is in Fountain Square. We love it. You get to come down there. Um, the Heartland Basile Theater right in our office. You get to check that out. The Wheeler Arts Community. Um, yeah, more information. Check out heartlandfilm.org. You can learn all about us and all the good you stuff. You have the listings of the first Friday screenings there also? Yeah, if you go. So basically, we used to do a poor job of showing what we have coming up. So heartlandfilm.org, go to the Roadshow page. It's a great Everything's website. Up. I looked at it. It's Oh, thanks. Revamp nicely. Newly Should people re-branded? vote for it, Richard? Pardon me? Should people vote for that re- website? I don't think it's nominated. It's not Richard. nominated. Maybe they <laughs> could write it in, Richard. Website. So I didn't have to be... Con- <laughs> <laughs> wow, Ed. <laughs> yeah. Just to show you, too, like for Harlan, we have different shorts that we play as well. People always forget about the short films. So just to kind of show where we're at in terms mm-hmm. of the demos, we have a one pro- program called One Size Fits All Shorts for maybe the folks who like kind of the older Harlan stuff. And these ain't your grandma shorts for the folks who like a little <laughs> harder edge on stuff. So mm-hmm. 
definitely oh. come check it out. Hardlandfilm.org, Summer Rewind. All it right. is sponsored, let me get this in. Yes. Made possible by the Margot L. and Robert S. Eccles Fund, a fund of Central Indiana Community Foundation. And Bedford is sponsored by Duke Energy. So thank you very much. Awesome. I appreciate both of you being with me. Uh, I'm sponsored by Costco. <laughs> <laughs> and Fish Nibblers at White Castle. Yes. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. This has been Ed Johnson Ott from Nuvo News Weekly, Greg Sorvik, the Director of PR and Marketing and Marketing and PR from Heartland Film. Thank you very much. And Richard Probst from TheIndependentCritic.com. Vote for him. Thank you very much. Have a great week. Matthew will be back next week. Thanks, Kobe. Thank you, Ed. This has been Film Sociology, a film talk show on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. We're gone. Good night, Fort Myers. Good night, California. <laughs>